Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Good morning. Welcome back to the Flow Track Podcast. My name is Lincoln Shrike. He is Gordon Mack. October 29th. It's a Thursday. It's very cold in my house. Gordon, how are you doing today? Hey, I am on top of the world. Yesterday, oh, the Philadelphia 76ers hired Daryl Morey, formerly of the Houston Rockets, a.k.a. Sam Hickey's dad. Uh, the process has now come full circle, and now Man. the Sixers are going to win the next five years. It's just a fact. James Harden's going to come over here in a trade for Al Horford. It's going to be Harden, Simmons. Yeah. Why not bring back Chris Paul? We're going to bring back Chris Paul and James Harden. I definitely think it means at least Chris Paul will come to the Sixers because, one, Chris Paul is more tradable, and two, Daryl Morey never wanted to trade Chris Paul away from – the Rockets. He did that because of his owner and because of Harden. So, hey, Chris Paul at point guard, Ben Simmons at the four, Joel Embiid at the five. Mm. It's going to be great. This is the this is now back to being an NBA podcast. I'm back mm. on the train. Who I guess thought? my criticism is, you know, Daryl Morey didn't get a championship, and I understand that they were. Oh. That they were in the mighty Western Conference, but there's still a lot of uh, obstacles in their way. I I think the move does signal that they need they're going to be adding some pieces, right? Yeah. Um, what obviously they're not going to get James Harden via trading Al Horford for him, but um, unless the Rockets know, just want to cut salary, <laughs> but uh, yeah, maybe maybe a Chris Paul is is a possibility there but i don't i don't know if i don't know if uh the thunder are going to be willing to part with him yet he had a pretty good year i'm interested to see it definitely adds more intrigue into the nba right after a bubble nba finals and and uh i don't know i mean the the sixers are are uh are always a fun time be it if at their expense or for you you know hoping that they win an nba title so it adds more entertainment to philadelphia yeah i just know i I last night stayed up a, way, a little way too much later than I should have on TradeMachine.com, just figuring mm, out how many different trades because now I know Daryl Moore is going to be all full, all for, you know, trading. So I'm excited for it. Sixers fans were back. Dallas week. Eagles will beat the Cowboys. Everything's growing great, man. Everything's coming up mm. Philly right now, right? It's great. So anyway. Well, analytics wise, what are the what are the Sixers? What do you think is gonna is gonna happen with the team? I mean, are they gonna run a different offense? Like, what? I know they've got Doc Rivers. I think they brought in a defensive coach. I mean, like, what what are they yeah. doing differently that's going to change their fortunes? Well, I, this has definitely become an NBA podcast. Ben and Joel, people think that they can't play together. They can. If you look at the on off numbers, if you look at when they're with playing without Al Horford, they're a good team. This team can make it work with their pieces. If you look at their the season, not this past season, but the past two seasons before that, they had one of the most efficient uh, mm-hmm. net ratings in the NBA. When the, even when they had Dario Saric and Al, and Robert Covington, the main reason that the Sixers sucked this year was because the the missing of someone like JJ Redick. Now JJ Redick isn't like some superstar, but JJ Redick's need, game with yeah, yeah shooters. Too. His game, 
is very unique for Joel Embiid, and it just makes Joel Embiid so much better. And we just missed that. Josh Richardson isn't that. So we got to trade Josh Richardson, get in a J.J. Redick type, and we should be fine. You know? Got it. Joel Embiid's 26. Ben Simmons is 24. We have at least three more years of trying Joel and Ben before you have to be like, all right, it's not working. People want things to like to change it yeah. right away, but I feel like Ben and Joel – first of all, Ben and Joel have never played a playoff series healthy together, right? Joel was hurt in the first year, the first two years, and mm-hmm. then Ben even played his third year. So like we don't even know what they can be. Anyway, I'm being Mr. Optimistic. How many again. seasons have they like... played together? How many seasons have they played together now, though? Is it four or three? They played three seasons together. Because he missed his rookie year, right? No, Simmons missed his rookie yeah, year. Yeah, so they played three seasons together, but the first yeah. season, it was the first time there. So whatever. Like, they're all both, like, new. Second season, mm-hmm. it was the Kawhi, Kawhi shot, right? And then third season, mm-hmm. Ben is hurt. Doesn't even play. So, like, mm-hmm. we have yet to really true see it, like – fully play out to see if this is a good duo and i still all right well to be determined they've definitely added the front office and the uh star in the front office and a star on the bench and and doc rivers we'll see i i I can't wait to uh just follow this team next year and uh man it's going to be a good time and you're you're awfully confident about, about the the um the Eagles beating the Cowboys. The Cowboys are hot garbage right now, but you know, you just you just never know with that NFC East. All right. We <laughs> will move right along. Got a show that is going to be quite different from the last couple days of which we've been talking about doping or anti-doping news. Uh we won't touch on that today. We'll leave the Christian Coleman conversation for another day. Uh we're going to cover Conference XC weekend, the the few meets that there are and then we'll also hit on some news that you see running at the bottom of your screen. First, we'll talk about the second of two of those Michigan meets. Featured a bunch of pro athletes from various distance training groups. Kiera D'Amato and Morgan Pearson won half marathons yesterday in Michigan. Notable when you consider this has kind of been the year of Kiera D'Amato running that 15.05,000 and now running 68.57 and really dominating this field over athletes like Emma Bates. Um. It was a big day for her. She's 36 years old. You figure she's got a shot, you know, she could be a factor at the Olympic trials. It's certainly possible, which you would not expect someone like her to to be that before this year. But now she's entered that realm. And then Morgan Pearson, former Colorado star, he's now a triathlete. And he beat some some pretty solid dudes running 62 minutes in the half marathon. What was your takeaway from these races yesterday? Yeah, D'Amato's uh, run in perspective, she's the 10th American ever to break 69 minutes. Uh, so she puts her top 10 all time. Very impressive. Um, I was thinking, like, what is, I guess, is D'Amato's best race going to be the, the track 10K, I guess? Because the 5K is a good time, but, like, you just need, you need that raw, like, mile speed in order to compete with, like, the top dogs in the yeah. U.S., and then obviously the marathon's out of the question because we don't have the trials again for another few years. So I guess the 10K, right? Like what place do you think she could get in the 10K at the trials? Well, it's tough because you're going to have Molly Huddle, Emily Sisson, uh, Emily Infeld, Mar- Mariel Hall. I mean, there's a lot of good athletes. The two from <clears throat> NAZ Elite are going to be in there. Can she beat them? That's, a, I think, a tough ask, but she's exceeded <clears throat> all expectations. I mean, she had no expectations. I don't think many had heard of her before this year, and she's just been on an absolute tear in 2020. She went won that 10K in the summer. Molly Seidel was in that. I think there was, there was a couple other relatively strong names. I think Natasha Rogers, maybe. And then going back to that time trial, 5,000 in the summer where she ran, what was it, 1505? I mean, yeah, she's just burst on the scene. Fifteen oh four. So I mean, the ten thousand is is her best opportunity. I, I does she have a reasonable shot to make the Olympic team? I mean, she'll have to get better than where she's even at right now. But I guess that's not out of the question, given how well this year has gone for her. That she's going to have, you know, what is it? October. She's going to have nine more months to prepare for for this ten thousand. 
it's unlikely, but it's not out of the question, which is crazy when you talk about someone who's was like a real estate agent. And I don't think she's a full-time professional athlete. Maybe that's changing soon. I'm not sure, but it's, uh, you don't really see this very often, this late career resurgence to all of a sudden, not even resurgence, just ascendance to, to all of a sudden she's running at a professional level, uh, kind of out of nowhere. It's quite impressive. So she, her best shot is the 10,000. I'd, I'd still, I'd probably give her less than a 5% shot to make the team, but that's not nothing. Yeah. It's a lot more than 99% of the U.S. population. So yeah. maybe 99.99% <laughs> of the U.S. population. Yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah, I think 10K, I think she could still surprise. I mean, we all, we're all putting a caveat on her because she's a newcomer and she's a late newcomer. But yeah. if you were to take the time she's run this season and put them on an NAZ elite athlete or – a Bowerman athlete, you would look, Hey, that's a good, it's a strong season. Like they're looking good looking fit. Like, yeah, I think we just, we take away a little bit of credit because she is going to be a rookie on the scene. And typically rookies need to go through the waters a few times before they actually, <laughs> you know, pop off a really good one at a championship event, sure. you know, like you're never going to just like Emily infill cannot run for a whole year. But you're still gonna be like it's Emily Infeld. She's, I would take her yeah. over Demato no matter what Demato does for the yeah, entire 2020 exactly. season. So, but I think she could do well. I don't think she'll make the team. But I think it's more about like, hey, she could like finish top eight. And if you're top eight at the Olympic trials, it's pretty damn impressive. So, absolutely, yeah. And just to be clear, she beat Emma Bates, who what was top seven at the Olympic trials. In the marathon, I think she maybe was was uh, was sixth. She beat Emma Bates by forty seven seconds, and Emma Bates ran a PB. She Bates ran sixty nine forty four, and Demato ran sixty eight fifty seven. That's quite quite impressive. Just want to be clear. So Demato was fifteenth at the trials, and Emma Bates <clears throat> was seventh. So the thing is, I think the marathon. You figure it would be her best distance, but you know maybe she is more of that that ten thousand half marathon range of, of an athlete um, because you know the marathon. Given the fact that it's going to be another three years until the trials, it's time has maybe run out for her in that distance as far as Olympic aspirations. But the ten thousand, given the name she's beaten and the time she's run, not not an impossibility. So it's kind of crazy. Um, on the men's side, it was a tight race. Morgan Pearson got the win, who every time this guy pops up in just just running races when he's not doing his triathlon stuff, he seems to really excel. I think he won, uh, what was it, like club cross last year. And I don't know. He just, he's really, really fit. And we know he was a stud at, at Colorado. But when you look at people coming over from the triathlon, you know that they're not running as much mileage as their, uh, you know, just pure running counterpart. So impressive for him to be able to run 62-15. And I think he said afterwards that he only runs 65 miles a week and it was his first half marathon. It's, uh, it's pretty crazy that he was able to beat guys uh, like Tyler Day and... Uh, who else? Fobble. Scott Fobble. I, I was really impressed with this run. Yeah, and uh, he was impressed with himself as well because after this win, he uh, quote tweeted a LeBron James quote from the 2020 finals asking people to put damn, uh, put respect on his damn name. So oh, wow. Morgan Pearson wants that respect on his name. He says he doesn't get it, and it's about time. Well, it's about time people get that. he gets that respect. I mean, I don't know if – he doesn't get respect. I mean, he may just be being, you know, having some fun, a little tongue in cheek, but you know, he's a triathlete. Like I, I don't know what, um, you know, he's not in this world all the time. He's jumping in and out. And so, um, I guess he would earn more respect if he's stuck in this, in just in this running realm all the time, but that's cool. He's really good at the triathlon. So I don't blame him for that. I, I'm not, no disrespect. I don't want to underestimate this guy because every time it seems like he shows up again in the in a U.S. distance race, he does he does well. 
So maybe he'll show up at the trials 10K, maybe. Hmm. You think? I don't know. I'm he trying went, to think yeah, about he, the last so he, time I disrespect. I'm trying to think about the last time I disrespected Morgan Pearson. Yeah, I don't know. It, it may have been a, like 2014 Thursday. <laughs> I don't know. When's yeah? I when's I haven't like who's disrespecting him? I'm trying to like is there like who's a guy on Twitter or something? I don't know. Were there were there a lot of pundits like predicting who was going to win the Michigan Pro Half Marathon? I don't think it was like a highly touted event. Yeah, that's um, what I was thinking about. I did like the flex though of him talking about like he didn't wear a watch. He's just kind of out there. It kind of looked like it just felt like the, the guy off the street, the, the undrafted free agent that like comes in and gets a starting job. I that's I a has, little bit of yeah. a mischaracterization because again, Morgan Pearson was very good at Colorado back in just his running days, and obviously he trains full time as a triathlete, so getting plenty of that cardio in even if he's spending a lot of his time in, in the pool and, and or on the bike. I, I, I guess people underestimate him because he's a triathlete, but he definitely running is his, uh, is his strong suit, is his, you know, is his original, uh, I mean, you know, like I said, he, got, he ran, at and ran in college at Colorado. So it's not like he's just like coming off of being like a biker and then he's coming in and, and running. He's primarily a runner in the past who's really excelled in the triathlon yeah other news so, uh yeah i'm gonna go there too I was go gonna for move it on. boston marathon moved to fall 2021 meaning that now the next because london also got moved to fall yeah. 2021 i think tokyo would that just get canceled or did that get moved i couldn't tell you i do not keep i think tabs it got moved tokyo. or canceled i think it got canceled okay. maybe uh, basically, the the three marathons that would normally happen in the in the winter slash spring of 2021 have all been either canceled or moved to the fall. Meaning, the earliest major marathon is now Berlin in September. Uh, okay. What do you think? We're gonna be. A, what do you think this minute. means for uh, these athletes who are trying to, you know, these these marathon runners who are just like trying to get on. Get a get a, a race in. I mean, we can talk a little bit about Galen Rupp, but like typically like these these elite marathoners have like these go to like routines of a fall, a spring, you know, and they pick and choose. But if all these marathons are being taken away from them, I mean they didn't have anything in twenty twenty. Now they're not gonna have anything in for a majority of twenty twenty one. If you're an elite marathon runner, what are you doing right now to stay motivated, to stay in shape, to like use up, you know, your your prime of your career? I mean, think about Galen Rupp, right? We, we can mm -hmm. kind of transition. He's like, how many more attempts does how many more hard efforts does Galen Rupp have left in him, right? He well he's getting up there in age, yeah. right? Like eventually getting up there. Like Rupp well. is trying to do this. He's either trying to win an Olympic gold or like break the American record. There's no races for him to be in to break an American record or win a major like Boston. You got to think Galen Rupp's probably like, man, I wanted to try to win Boston, but now he doesn't have that. Well, let's let's pump the brakes a little bit. We'll talk about an American record attempt for him in a moment because that is a strong possibility in the half marathon coming up later this fall. Uh, we'll we'll get to that in just a second. I mean, I think. I assume that in some regards, these major marathons have maybe reached out to some of the best marathoners in the world and said, you know, we could have an, an elite only race, you know, would you want to participate ahead of the Olympics or you kind of want to wait until after the games and with the added bonus of, you know, maybe COVID has calmed down a little bit. Um, for those that are going to run in the Olympics, I assume with 2021, they wanted to just kind of zero in on on the games and you know running a marathon in april before in august that's that's kind of tough that's a that's a that's a tight window um not for everyone but for some it's a tight window so there's there's that regard that you're dealing with with sephora the the olympic marathon and then with covid you know what adding more months onto the end of uh, on the end of something like boston going all the way back to the fall or going to the fall is 
is buying yourself some more time and it doesn't appear that we're going to be out of the woods by April. Maybe things will have changed. Maybe cases will lower. Maybe we'll have, I don't know, starting point of a, uh, of a vaccine, but that's certainly not a guarantee. So I, buying yourself more time is good. And I'm, I mean, I'm glad we didn't get like two months before and then they push it back again. Um, but, but for some athletes, yeah, it's a huge bummer, but you know, we've seen that people are getting creative where they're going to have that race in December, that Arizona marathon that Sarah Hall is going to run in. Some other athletes are going to run in. I know it doesn't have the prize money or the appearance fees, but athletes will race and they'll still be able to run fast times. I don't think it's that detrimental. Obviously there's some income related issues by not having these world marathon majors, but it's not going to stop people from racing and it may in fact give them opportunities to run on flat courses of which they can run fast times when in in normal times you know you got to run new york or boston these hard courses that aren't going to give you maybe a chance to to pb and so it, it, you just have to take you know when life gives you lemons man you got to you got to make lemonade out of it i don't know what else you can do and there will be marathon majors in 2021 you just got to wait till the fall yeah, basically wait till after the Olympics. Um, yeah, yeah. And I mean, for some of these athletes, they can focus on the 10K. It gives them other opportunities. It's just a new challenge. Yeah. I, I don't see it as too devastating. I don't think as a marathoner, you can- No, I don't think it's devastating. All, all your either. income on on prize money from, from majors. I mean, it, it probably really hurts some, you know, some East Africans who legitimately do make a lot of their money off prize money, but- it's uh I kind of anticipated this April you know as now we're getting later in the fall this April was going to come up quick so it it makes sense Boston wants to have a marathon that includes people that includes the masses right yeah. and they just that was going to be unrealistic and it, I mean, it's a April, holiday so in Boston they're, they're yeah which is a bummer because you know yeah they don't have Patriots Day to run this race so it's strange because they pushed it back this is now what the, like the third time they've they've pushed it i mean it's it's been it's been interesting to watch this but um yeah boston would not feel right as like a london type bubble elite only yeah. race they're really pushing hard to have uh, you know the the full the full effect of the boston marathon so it'll be weird seeing it in fall but hopefully we can have mass participation when it does in fact return I mentioned uh, Galen Rupp. He announced or can go his uh, his PR man announced uh, that <laughs> he's going to be running a half marathon in Eugene with his former training partner, I guess, Suguro Osaka. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, what can we? What do you think is going to happen? What Galen Rupp hasn't run since the trials. What do, What do you think we're going to see from Mr. Rupp, your your favorite runner? Oh man. Um, well this, here's what we know and it's very little. It's like you mentioned, it's Galen Rupp and Siguro Osako, which is yeah, old friends, you know, reunited and it feels so good. What we don't know is when this takes place, where it takes place other than the state of Oregon, because the promotional poster, which is quite interesting. We've got a foggy Oregon setting with trees and a lake or body of water of some sort and the graphic is just galen rupp and seguro osako a fast 13.1 the woods oregon fall 20 so not sure where the course is not sure where the you know where the race is period and uh we don't know the date but they're calling it a fast 13.1 for Galen Rupp on his side. You got to think Ryan Hall's 59.43 is uh, is certainly in play. The American record. I, I imagine that's the goal for Galen. He hasn't raced since the trials, so has he been, you know, specifically preparing for this? We know he's only four seconds off the American record from his. Uh, his 2016 half marathon in Lisbon, the 59.47. I imagine he he gets this, and uh, Osako there, he's he's got some he's got some good marathon wheels. I believe he even has a faster marathon PB than Galen Rupp. I need to I need to check that out. 
yeah, he does. He's got a faster marathon PB than than Galen. Now, half's a different story, but this will be fun to watch. I mean, well, I say watch. Do we think we're actually going to be able to watch this? I have no idea. I, you know, the Bowerman Track Club put on their own things, but this is a road race. These guys aren't training partners anymore. I'm going to be fascinated to see how this is kind of rolled out. The Eugene Marathon is seemingly putting this on. They uh, were the ones who tweeted this out. So will there be a stream? Will we actually know when this is happening because they haven't unveiled the date yet? Uh, a lot of mystery still to unpack here related to this half marathon. People always say, if an American record happens in the woods, did it really happen, right? That's exactly. That's, I mean, we're going to need to see proof. And they say it's going to be a record-eligible course. So this isn't just them running loops of, of something. This is going to be like, you know, a certified course. So this is a this is a, an American record attempt, and I assume a, a Japanese record attempt for Osako. That's what I was thinking. Uh NAU was given uh, the opportunity to race twice this fall, right? They went out to Oklahoma State to run against BYU. They technically get yeah. to race one more time. Maybe mm -hmm. Mike Smith is just going to send his crew all the way up to Eugene and just create a, a rabbiting formation, flying V a la Ineos and breaking two for Galen Rupp and just have the NAU cross-country squad pace Rupp to an American record thoughts on that idea well first i have to change tunes a little bit i looked down so the graphic that ken go tweeted out doesn't didn't have a date but then he has an article that was out yesterday that says that this is taking place on friday so tomorrow that one. sorry about that that's what it says wow friday at an undisclosed location in lane county uh um, why don't they want to disclose okay. it what if i guess I, they don't want people showing Just up. People show up. Yeah. Um, so, hold on. It's tomorrow? Hey. Gay, Galen, yeah, it's tomorrow. Sorry, I'm reading this article. Galen called me maybe a month ago, said Pete Julian. He asked if Seguro would be interested in throwing down somewhere in Oregon in this time frame. So, Galen wanted Seguro Osako to help him run a fast. Um, Fast half marathon. So sorry, I I missed that that element of it. The Japanese record sixty flat, and the U.S. record fifty nine forty three. Um, it doesn't look like it's going to be live streamed. It's just going to be live Twitter updates and maybe on Instagram as well. So sorry about that. I missed I missed that. They didn't have that in the original graphic. I don't know why they just didn't put the date. I guess they're trying to be real sneaky, but it does appear it's going to be tomorrow. So, wow. Okay. Uh, do I think NAU is going to pace Galen Rupp? Probably not. Maybe they will have some pacers. That would be fun to uh, see Nico Young out there uh, pacing <laughs> for uh, his uh, his great uncle, Galen Rupp. But uh, I don't know. I don't anticipate this. This will be interesting to to watch, though, or to follow. Follow, yeah. Can't, Can't watch. watch it. No watch. Um, so I guess we'll maybe we can talk about Rub after we see what performance he throws down because if he runs like a 61 you're like I whatever or 60 don't think he's going to run 61. Like, yeah, I know. He I don't think 61 before the trials and where there were questions yeah, yeah. about his health. Ran what? 61.19 in Arizona. Uh Yeah. This is this is going to be much faster. I would anticipate the American record's going to go down here. Yeah, but if, if he's organizing this, yeah, I mean, email your buddy, does email your buddy uh, you know, Mike Smith. Be like, what? What's the chance? I did text here? him. I, I I did text him. What's the date? He didn't respond. I mean, he's in well, NAU time. It's it's a fr it's yeah, it's Thursday right now. So it's like seven forty where he is. So he's probably not up sleeping. <laughs> in, right? God. They don't got don't anything to do. That guy. They they just yeah, there's. There's nothing to do, right? Nothing to do out on flag right now. Yeah. Um. But like, let's assume Galen runs fast, right? Sub sixty runs well. With the fact that Kipchoge showed that he's beatable at London, is oh does my. Rupp where are we going with have, this? Does Rupp have an outsider's chance at gold in Tokyo? Or I mean, he's got a. 
Um, he's got a like an absolute like small chance, I suppose. I Elliot Kipchoge is still on a different level, and I think that was just a fluke race. But yeah, I mean, he's got a shot. Obviously, he was a medalist a couple years ago, and he dominated. <laughs> the trials to even almost a bigger extent in, in 2020 than he did in 2016 when he got bronze ultimately. So yeah, he's got a shot just based on the fact that it's a small field and, you know, Ethiopia only gets three and Kenya only gets three. He's got definitely got a shot, but I still think at the end of the day, Kipchoge, let's look at his record just because he had one eighth place finish. <laughs> he had a horrible day and he still ran, you know, 206. So, you know, it's, it's very unlikely but, you know, maybe we'll talk about it a little bit further if he runs 59.30. But we also know that there's a guy in Kipchoge who can run 59.50 for two straight half marathons. So let's not get ahead <laughs> of ourselves here just because Kipchoge there's had 59, one day. 59.50 double. Yeah. <clears throat> right. um, I, so. I mean, uh, I'll be a uh, – maybe I just hold off on talking about it once we see what he throws down. But, like, there is something that, like – Galen just hasn't raced a lot, and he the last time what he how many times has he raced Kipchoge? I guess the Olympics has he raced him again since? Like, um, no, no. Like I guess Rupp once Rupp has had what two bad road races? He had the storm, the the sleet and hail, Boston Marathon, right? And then he had the Chicago performance, but he was hurt. Like, I guess, what is a healthy rep full potential, right? Do we have we seen the best and best of a rep on a road healthy? Well, yeah. I mean, when he won in Chicago in 2017, that was pretty darn good. I mean, I forget exactly who was in that race, but he was mighty impressive. It was a little bit of a weaker field, um, but we go back to 2017. Uh, you know, he runs 209.20 in, in Chicago, beats a, a, a decent field, not a, not a great field. But, you know, Sase Lemma is a guy who's he finished fourth in that race. He's run 203.36. He did that last year in – or this, this past – no, I guess it's now been in 2019. He ran 203.36. So, I mean, he's beat some – he certainly beat some dudes. Let's, let's you know, not get it twisted in, in that regard. But – that's the best I think we've seen of him, unless you want to call the the 206 PB that, you know, he did in 2018 after the Boston race. If you want to call that the, the best he's done. I mean, he's had some moments, but I don't think we've seen the absolute peak of Galen Rupp in, in the marathon. And I, I think he was at his full strength in, in Atlanta in February. And so there's no reason to think that he can't be even better version of himself now that he's really an experienced marathoner it, coming up later in, in his career. Um, he's, I, I don't, I think his ceiling is not anywhere near the level of obviously Elliot Kipchoge. That's not some extraordinary statement. Um, and it's going to take a championship style of race for him to be able to contend with some of these East Africans who have run 203. Uh, or 202 even, or, you know, in the case of Kipchoge, 159.40. Uh, so he's limited as far as his possibility of being these guys, but fortunately for him, he's already on the Olympic team, and uh, he's he's healthy, and we'll see what he does on Friday here in this half marathon, and that'll give me a good gauge of where he's at and what his chances are. I think he's got a better than 25% shot, maybe higher, to get a medal in Sephora, and that's all you can, that's all you can ask for. And, a, and another bad day maybe the weather turns and Kipchoge has a bad one well yeah then it's he's as experienced as as they come as far as a distance runner so it's a possibility it's not a likelihood but yeah he's still like squarely in his prime when it comes to the marathon he's not on the downslope at all of his career at least from what we've seen yeah I'm excited to see what the result result is and then yeah, kind of. I didn't know it was coming so quickly. We were the, talking about it like yeah. it was later up coming up this year, and then all of a sudden I scroll down. Ken goes Twitter, and it's oh, it's tomorrow. Okay, so there Friday. But a boom. Um, all right. Speaking of Friday, tomorrow uh, there, there are a few conference championships: uh, Big Twelve, ACC, SEC, the uh, Conference USA, and the Southland Conference. I believe they're all competing. Okay. Excited about uh, those. 
Yep. Very exciting. Let's talk a little bit about the the big three, uh, ACC, SEC, and Big 12. Starting with the ACC, it'd be great to see uh, Yair Nagus. We haven't seen him run since Louisville, right? We talked to him on the pod about that run. But, like, ultimately yeah. they were going to run um, in – so they raced Louisville in Notre Dame. And then they were, were going to go to Louisville to run that that meet, but COVID stopped them from going to it. I'm excited to see what Yared Nagus does. Uh, do you think Yared will be able to, one, win it? And if he does win it, do you think he'll show that, like, hey, I can be a top five guy individually at the NCAA championship level in the cross country, even though I'm a miler? And a 3,000 guy. I think he can probably run 3, a fast yeah. 5,000 too. Yeah, I, you know, the sample size is small for him being like an elite level cross country guy, right? I mean, he, he, uh, did, wait, no, he didn't run. I think you're getting, he didn't run at Louisville, right? No, he, is, he, they, he raced Louisville at Notre Dame. They did a dual meet against Louisville. Oh, that's what you're saying. Yeah. So yeah. he like legitimately hasn't run in over a month, a race in over a month. Yeah. So for him, I don't know if winning ACCs is a, is a proving ground that puts him on the level of of being a top five guy. Remember, he finished second last year at ACCs and then was outside the top 40. Uh, when it came to to NCAA's, now granted, Peter Sufer was at was still at Virginia Tech, and he won by some forty seconds or something like that at ACCs, and ultimately got whatever it was, top five at at NCAA's. But I don't think there's that necessarily that like litmus test that that measuring stick of a of an athlete that maybe is going to show where exactly. Nagus is on the national stage when it comes to March's NCAA cross country championships. I mean, there are some dudes. I look at this uh, Rohan Ashfa of, of Virginia, who has won all three of his races this year. Doesn't have the track times to even shake a stick at Yard Nagus, but he is, like we said, he's run, he's won all three of his races. Maybe he's a good test for Nagus. Um, but I don't know how much we're going to learn about Nagu save him, like maybe not having a good day and, you know, not finishing in the top two, unless he dominates here, which I wouldn't expect. I, I, I still think there's those question marks of how good can this guy be when, when you add in BYU, NAU over a 10,000 meter distance. Cause I think that's just outside of his range at this moment. Fantastic miler, fantastic 3000 meter runner. He, uh, he's the 1500 NCAA champion. I just in an eight thousand meter race, you're not getting that full measure of you're not getting that full answer of how good this guy can be on an NCAA level over ten thousand, just because um, one the competition is not as high, obviously, and then and then two the two thousand meters of extra distance are are significant for someone whose main distance is the mile. Yeah, what are, the, you, what are your thoughts? Do you think that? Do you think this Rohan Ashfa guy is like a, a – I mean, is, is this going to be a good two-way battle between these two guys? No, nah, I think it might be, like, close because I don't think Yared is the type of guy who's going to go out yeah, go for it. all out, like run like a Pat Tiernan type. I think he's just going to kind of chill, stay in the lead, and then try to kick it at the end. And if he – I don't think there's any, like, strong 10K stalwart on the men's side who can, like, break it open to kind of drop Yared. Yared won't get dropped, and then if he's not dropped, he's just going to – win in the final 800 uh but i think the virginia kid probably will still finish top three top four um we haven't seen thomas ratcliffe he ran once but didn't run well for north carolina maybe he's dealing with some injuries but if ratcliffe is healthy if that was just a fluke race and he's back and healthy ratcliffe could sneak in and win it for north carolina i mean he tech on paper he's the best runner in the entire acc in cross country, he just never puts it together at the right moments. Um, and then Syracuse has one good guy, JP Trojan, a transfer from RIP William and Mary. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, it's not that great. It's not that. It's not like the the Syracuse of, you know, with the Justin Knight and you know, like the the deep Syracuse run. It's like kind of a little bit of a weaker. ACC field. Notre Dame is still a top five program, I think. We'll see if they can dominate Virginia and 
and Syracuse had kind of proved that. Um, but yeah, I'm excited more just to see if Yared can have like a convincing win or just like show like, hey, you got to start including my name with Luis Grijalva and, and the rest of the, the crew because I've proven it on the track and now I'm showing that I, I can do it on the grass. So, but like you yeah, said, no it respect. is an ACC championship. It is an AK. It is yeah. October when the meet is in March. So there's a lot of caveat. Yeah. You, just, you don't have any respect for Rohan Ashfa. You got him ranked 41st oh. in your COVID rankings. Got a ton of Notre Dame guys ahead of them. This guy's three for three. You don't, you don't think this guy's for real? He's three for three in a bunch of quad meets with like North Carolina and NC State. Where they 20, were, weren't 20, going fast. If he wins ACCs, you know what will happen? He'll go up. He'll he'll move up the rankings. Watch out for him. We'll see. That's how uh, it works. So you think Notre uh, Dame's going to win con- convincingly this meet, this this men's meet? I think they'll win convincingly. On the uh, women's well, side, of, there's going to be no yeah. yeah. On the women's side, no Starlipper or Caitlin Tui. Uh, there was a report that from Let's Run that we might see them. In March, which makes sense, it's kind of like they're probably dealing with some injuries. No need to go to the well in this random ACC meet. But NC State doesn't really going to have the full squad that we expect them to have, but they should still look good at this conference meet. But I am excited to see what North Carolina does against NC State because Milt has already got that women's team ready to go. We had the women's team ranked fourth nationally in the COVID rankings. They have a great star freshman. I'm excited to see what North Carolina does. I think they're going to run well. I think they'll still lose, but I think they'll make it close with NC State. And I think it's going to be an NC State-North Carolina dual meet. Yeah, I mean, NC State's still pretty stinking loaded with Hannah Steele. Yeah, oh, 100%. Uh, Kelsey Camille, they've got some other athletes. I mean, they're just they're pretty stacked, uh, as you as you know. Um. I do think, yeah, UNC with a with a good race from um, Naglia could certainly contend, um, but NC State's just so deep and has been has obviously been there, done that, and I would yeah. anticipate that that they're going to win. It's too bad that we don't get the star freshman uh, from from the Wolfpack, but hopefully we do in fact get to see them in March because man, this NC State squad, this Wolfpack team at full strength. It has an embarrassment of riches. So we'll get to see what they can do um, on Friday, on t- t- tomorrow, against their their in-state rival. All right, we'll move on to the Big 12. Oklahoma State men have been really impressive early on. They, they have beaten Iowa State. That was, however, on their own home course. Do you think the Oklahoma State men break their three-year drought and get back on the top at, in the Big 12? Yeah, I think there'll be two stories that come out on the men's side. One story is Oklahoma State, like, kind of convincingly winning. Uh, but two, I'm really excited to see how much Wesley Kiptu wins by. Like, maybe he gets a conservative and he runs it like a championship-style race and only wins by, like, five seconds or whatever. But if, like, Doubtful. we could be seeing, like, Kiptu win a conference championship by, like, 30-plus seconds where Isai Rodriguez is in the race and getting second. And I think... Uh, from talking to some coaches, apparently Kip 2 is the real deal. Someone said better than Edwin Kerr got good. That is so, unbelievable to me. That is a quite the statement. <laughs> yeah. Which, I mean, I you kind of can believe it in a way because Kip 2 last year, he ran like 1340 in the 5K. He ran like a 750 3K all while at Juco College. So like, hey, if you're a JUCO kid running 750, 1340, and then all of a sudden you're trained at the D1 level at Iowa State, like you can see a, a vast improvement. The talent was right. there. It's not like they took like a 1430 Certainly. guy and turned him into this. Like he already was pretty good. So, so he ran that 1343 where the next closest guy was uh, 1406, and that next closest guy was Zuhair Tolby, who originally was going to go to Florida State. So it's not like he was a scrub. So um, yeah. Kip 2 is definitely a uh, a a man to, man to watch. Uh, yeah, I know the times do not matter, but at last year's junior college 
championships he won by over a minute and ran 22:54 for 8000 meters now maybe the course was short, short but i the person i know the person who told you they thought he could be better than edwin kurgat and i trust that person's judgment so as big of a stretch as that may seem to call him better than last year's ncaa champion i tend to think to tend to value that person's word and this guy so far has not shown us anything to indicate he can't be better than Edwin Kurga. Um, I know Rodriguez is a confident runner and will be up there with him as long as he can. Um, but I expect Kip to, to really, as much as you can make a statement five months before the NCAA championships, I, I think he will do that uh, in, in Lawrence on, on Friday. I'm, I'm really excited to see how that one shakes out. And then on the women's side, pretty clear to me, it looks like Iowa state's probably going to come away as the women's champion. Do you see it any, any other, any different? No, Oklahoma state's a little banged up. Taylor Summers and Molly Bourne aren't really hundred percent. I don't think Bourne's even running. Uh, so they're not a full squad. Iowa state, they're looking pretty good. Callie Logue should win it. Um, yeah, the, the, unfortunately big 12 doesn't really have much depth right now. A lot of times it's no. just like a dual meet up top. Sometimes Texas gets involved a bit, but overall it's kind of just going to be Iowa state, Oklahoma state dual meet. Um, the biggest thing come out of it would be, Hey, do we, are we seeing a potential NCAA champion win the, the men's race? So that'll be kind of interesting mm -hmm. to, to follow along sec, the other big meet going down Arkansas men and women both heavily favored. Uh, the women, extremely favored. I don't know. What the, I mean, I guess Ole Miss is the next best team on the women's side. But Arkansas should pretty much do what they normally do. I mean, they almost perfect scored this meet last year, I think, with their NCAA championship. Yeah, squad. I mean, last year last they year. obviously yeah. were a stronger stronger group. Yeah. Right? Last year they ended up winning the national title. But this isn't a team that fell off tremendously after graduating several pieces. Uh, not graduating, but, you know, athletes run at, ran out of eligibility. So the Arkansas women talk about Taylor Ewart, uh, a, a freshman who's come in and had success early on. I expect more dominance from them as well. Look who has also been running well for them because I forget. They, they, of course, have Lauren Gregory still on the team, and she was a piece for them. This Logan... Morris has been really a nice addition. So th this is just a, a group that obviously knows knows how to uh, to win the SEC meet, and with they've really plugged some holes nicely that they that they had from graduation in 2019. So yeah, they they should win. And then the Arkansas men are really on the up and up. They're currently ranked number one in your COVID era rankings. The additions of Amon Comboy, Emmanuel Chesabon, uh have really worked nicely for them. I know they have some conflict, though. They're going to be really pressed, according to some of your sources, Gordon. They're going to be pressed to figure out how they're going to utilize their pieces when it comes to choosing between cross-country and indoor this upcoming March. They don't have to worry about that right now. But, man, this is an exciting group. They just got to figure out, do they want to put all their chips into indoors or to cross-country? Yeah. Uh, speaking of this race specifically, I think it, Arkansas is a team that BYU and NAU should be – not worried about, but should be following and be like, because yeah. they're going to be involved in the mix up front in that team race. And I think a good way to analyze how Arkansas does in this SEC meet is basically see how the Arkansas top five or the top seven for that matter, finish in relation to one of the Ole Miss guys like Wally Suleiman, because you'll be able to know mm -hmm. like, Hey, Suleiman finished 20th last year. So, you know, like that's like a good base mark. If they put like four guys ahead of a guy who finished 20th at cross, you're like, whoa, like that's impressive. If mm. they have like a, a close spread in that matter, like I think there'll be some little tea leaves you can kind of get from the result by comparing how Arkansas measures up against some of the other individual SEC people to kind of really get a, a full because we again we haven't we haven't seen this Arkansas squad up against legit competition we probably won't see this arkansas well, squad oh miss against legit competition until ncaa's by legit i mean like a nutty yeah, yeah. comb environment a pre-nat environment which we just aren't it. gonna have and we probably won't have in in the winter either so 
NAU and BYU are going to be seeing Arkansas for the first time. Like, it's they're going to have to just you. I'm sure a lot of times NAU and BYU are probably thinking when they enter an NCAA championship race. Yes, they're running their own race, but they know like NAU is looking for blue, uh, blue in the corner of their eye. BYU is looking for yellow in the corner of their eye because hmm. they just get used to like they're the ones that are going to be in it. In this situation, they're not going to really know what to expect from this Arkansas team. I think they're going to win convincingly, obviously, but yeah. Uh, makes the championships more intriguing if Arkansas shows up, runs a, wins SECs convincingly, uh, and we'll be able to start debating, is Arkansas going to spoil the NAU-BYU party? Whoa. Ole Miss has a really solid top three with Garcia Romo, Cole Bullock, and Waleed Suleiman. So they don't really have a chance to beat Arkansas with their depth through five, but be fun to see how this shakes out as far as who's the conference champion. Is it Kimboy, a top 10 guy in cross, or does somebody else surprise? There's some stuff to be gleaned here on conference weekend. Uh, and, you know, it can be extrapolated out to March to see what, you know, does does Arkansas, do the Arkansas men just completely dominate this SEC meet? Yes, it doesn't, like you said, show you where they are relative to NAU, BYU, but it gives you a little bit better idea of where they've been relative to the past and, you know, if they're if they're able to have a tight pack, something that, that they would need to be competitive on the national stage. So little little tiny things I'm going to be watching out for uh, tomorrow as we look out for results and for from Conference Weekend and from this mystery half marathon in Oregon. Well, folks, you can email the show, flowtrackpodcast at gmail.com, and we will see you back here tomorrow.